1: Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 209 being recorded live from the ETEL West Trade Show in sunny Palm Desert on Tuesday, February 25th, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And unfortunately, Scott was unable to join us this week, so you get twice the Jason for half the usual price. Um, but as always, when uh, Scott ditches me, we make up for it by having a particularly awesome guest. Uh, so I'm thrilled uh, to welcome to the show uh, Owen Comerford, who's the CEO of Moose Jaw. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, we, I'm super excited to have you. Uh, I feel like I'm somewhat familiar with Moose Jaw, uh, and we can maybe get into that later. But the, uh, for our audience that isn't familiar, can you give us the snapshot on who Moose Jaw is?
0: Sure. Moose Jaw is the most fun outdoor retailer on the planet, according to our moms. Uh, we have actually been around for almost 30 years, started in brick-and-mortar retail, but now we're one of the top online players in outdoor retail. So hiking, camping, apparel, equipment, all that great stuff. We, we have it. We sell it. Um, we actually still have brick-and-mortar retail. We're in four states, 11 soon-to-be-12 stores. Um, and we were purchased by Walmart a few years ago to help them grow their online presence
1: on Walmart.com. That's awesome. And so I would assume that in addition to being the world's most fun outdoor retailer, you're also the most fun Walmart. Oh by far that's y- I- yes,
0: in fact there is if you if I look at the the, the zoom meetings, the number of moose jaw bumper stickers versus even Walmart bumper stickers I see on laptops is huge.
1: That is, that is awesome. Uh, you're dominating the spark. Dominating the spark. Okay. Uh, and you guys started in Michigan, correct? Uh, so all my in-laws are from Michigan. So they like they grew up as a multi-generational moose jaw family. Awesome. Uh, Thank and you then, for their business. Yeah. And then we moved to Chicago, and you were uh, uh, accommodating enough to then open a store.
0: We, we follow you wherever
1: you go. Yes. Yep. So uh, if I plan to move, I'll let you know. Thank uh, you. I'll try not to do Hawaii or something super expensive. To uh, uh, well,
0: Maybe. I, although,
1: I, uh, I, maybe I take that back. <laughs> um, and before we jump into it anymore, uh, listeners always like to know a little bit about the background of our guest. Uh, like, how, how did you come to be the CEO of uh, the world's funnest outdoor retailer?
0: Well, I've been in e-commerce for about 20 years. Uh, which I just realized, uh, which is, so you started a, a when you were like five years old. That's I, crazy. Ex- I know it is. I, I was, yes, I was amazing as a five year old. Um, but no, it's been, it's been a wild ride. Uh, actually, I started out as a mechanical engineer, which makes total sense because. We're all about numbers in this business. That's what I love about this business. It's absolutely a numbers game. Um, But no, I got into consulting, and then uh, I got into um, an incubator, a new business incubator at Ford Motor Company in in beautiful Detroit. Uh, Started a company there, sold it, got into Moose Jaw. Um, Really, my background was more in marketing and tech, and then took over the CEO gig about uh, eight years ago.
1: Very cool, so you're literally off probation now, even
0: yeah, I think so. I hope so.
1: that's awesome, um, and I feel like Moose Jaw is particularly well known for their innovative marketing campaigns, and you came up through the marketing organization, basically
0: yes, absolutely um no it, it's definitely my my first love i mean it's it's what we're all about, it's what sets us apart, it's part of what makes us the most fun retailer um so uh yeah, we just get to do, you know the, the uh, we we get to do things that other other retailers don't have permission to do, quite frankly, just because of who we are. Um, And we we just have fun with it.
1: Uh, And so to give listeners an idea, um, I'd love to hear some of your favorite campaigns, but I remember you opening a new store at one point, and I want to say you hired a shepherd with a flock of sheep.
0: That uh, sounds like something that we would do. Yeah. Yes. We, we, we've done all sorts of things. We've had fortune tellers. Uh, Breakdancers was a personal favorite. Uh-huh. Yes. A little retro, but retro cool, sure. I would like to think. Um, yeah, we do all kinds of crazy stunts and stuff. Uh, one of my favorites was the Moose Trail Breakup Service, uh, which we did a number of years ago where we actually um, we said to consumers, hey, we know that a lot of you are chickens out there, and maybe in relationships you don't want to be in, so just send us your... Your lover's cell phone number, uh, your name, their name, uh, why you 're breaking up, and then three nice things about them, so we can cushion the blow right and so we sent this out, and we got hundreds of responses back <laughs> and uh, some and we did we called all these people now, some of them were gags, you know sure. friends gagging friends, um, but a number of them, quite a few of them, were real and Awkwardly so. Um, actually, if you go on YouTube and search on Mooster Breakup Service, you'll see some of the videos of those calls, and it, it's pretty funny.
1: Wow. I wonder if there uh, was an opportunity for a spin off business that you missed, mean, uh, you know, there's pent up demand.
0: Well, you know, we've actually had a couple of those. We were, there was talk at one point, um, we were going to do an app called Spotahotty. Okay. Okay. And basically what this was, was it was you would take a picture, and like let's say you were around town in, in a city or whatever, and so you, you, you'd, you'd, you'd take a picture of, of a hottie, and then basically then you, you as a consumer could see like a graph of the hottie f- factors around the city. So, oh, here's a hottie hotspot, et cetera, Um ran into some legal issues with that one, so it never came to fruition. But that was... An example of the kinds of stupid wow. things we do.
1: It's, it suddenly dawns on me, knowing the campaigns that you actually did do. It's somewhat frightening to think of the ones that you weren't allowed. To do.
0: We actually, we actually did a catalog once, um, and it was going to be called. So we, we were maybe uh, you know we were a little bit more about being naked back when that was cool. Sure, it's not cool to be naked anymore. Yes. I don't know if you know that.
1: Um, My wife has mentioned that to me. <laughs> yeah mine too um
0: so but but so we had so we had done the no pants catalog which was a raging success and so then you got to take it to the next level so we did naked plane yeah naked jet and so so the story was we were it was supposed to be you know everything was going so well that we just were riding around in jets right um just totally totally stupid and I happen to know a guy who was a pilot for some rich people who had a jet, right? And they said, yeah, hey, it's, it's, it's in the hangar. You know, go use it for this photo shoot. So we go to the photo shoot. I get the proofs of sort of the first day. I'm like, oh, we, we, we can't do this. We can't. I just can't take that phone call from the head of name the outdoor brand. <clears throat> so I said, okay, well, we'll have to go back and do a bit of a reshoot. Meanwhile, the jet gets taken away. Somebody does need it to fly to Aspen. So, oh, crap. So now we shot the rest of the shoes in the hangar, empty. And so the whole catalog was called Morass, was that catalog, because it was a complete disaster.
1: Oh, that's that. So somewhere in uh, Indiana Jones Warehouse is a pallet of those.
0: Oh, do we, so we sent out the catalog. Oh, nice. All right.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I one you did do that I used to use as a demo all the time Uh, you had this uh, X-ray concept. Yes. So you you publish a great catalog uh, with lots of beautiful photography of people doing adventurous uh, things in outerwear. Right. Um, And then you had one of the first virtual reality or augmented reality apps. Correct. And you aim the augmented reality camera at the catalog, and suddenly you see all the models in their underwear. That is correct, yes. And I would just like to point out I used it as a demo because it was an early good execution of AR, not because I'm a perv that likes to look at people in their underwear. Uh, that's and also true, but that wasn't the primary factor.
0: In fairness, we were equal opportunity, it was both men and women oh, yeah. in their underwear. Um, you know that was a really fun one, and uh, it—I it, think it—that it, one actually touched a nerve. We got so much media about that. I mean, a million plus downloads back when that was a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, hundreds of views of the video about the app. Uh, no, it was that was crazy. I think it touched a nerve back to like the X-ray specs from the back of comics growing up or something. Um, but no, it was it was really fun. Yeah. Um, so and nothing to do with selling clothes. In fact you would use the app to not see the clothes that we sold.
1: Yes, ironically, to make the clothes go away. Yes. Um, but that does bring up a great point. Uh, so you, like, I feel like your whole brand is based on these sort of clever, fun things that uh, people love to put on YouTube and talk about. Um, is it a foregone conclusion to you that that translates into brand loyalty and customer value? Is that like, I mean like it feels like that's a big part of your differentiation from other outdoor retailers.
0: Absolutely. It, you know, I see all of the feedback that we get in, in to through our feedback emails and we constantly get emails as people just say, I love what you do. Or, um, I read your order confirmation email and I just laughed off the chair and now I read every email that you send me. So I think, I think it, it just engages the customer more so that we can communicate and it's not viewed as intrusive. Um, and, and there are definitely people who will buy from us. I, you know, I, I just, we just got an email I talked about in my presentation uh, in August from a guy who, who sent an email saying, I'm sorry I cheated on you. I bought from somebody else. I'm sorry it won't happen again. I mean, most retailers don't get those emails. Uh, so I think it does drive loyalty. I think also it gives us permission to, you know, that... that even if we do occasionally mess up, that you know we're, we're very authentic and, and we apologize and we make it right, and and actually have seen some great loyalty from that. Uh, I think it shows in our Net Promoter Score. Um, you know, it's, it, we're over eighty percent regularly. That's NEPR amazing. Motor score eighty eight percent most recently for Q four. So we really do focus on it and building that customer engagement.
1: Uh, I may have to have you think up some campaigns for the podcast because I feel like we could use that boost. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, yeah, just a side hustle for you. No sure. Big deal. Hey, no no problem. Um, and uh, speaking of loyalty, uh, I feel like you also have a very vibrant, rich um, affinity program.
0: Yes. Booster
1: Awards. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. um, And that's changed a little bit over the years. So going in in, in the way back, it was more of a points-based program, and you would save up your points, and then you could only use them on this separate website, uh, and you couldn't combine points with dollars. So it could take you a while to get enough points to buy anything of... Of real value, right, because you get ten percent back in points um, and so over time we we have transitioned that to be a little bit little bit more user friendly to where it 's Moose to dollars, and you can actually apply those dollars against any order on moose dot com so uh, i I think it 's easier to use, um, but you know it 's not quite as different as it used to be, I would say
1: okay um, but I, like in general, affinity programs are interesting to me because I feel like it 's one of those things. There's not a clear answer. Like, we can point to retailers where the affinity program is core to the business and killing it. I think 95% of all the revenue from Sephora is from uh, Beauty Insiders, for example, okay, right? right. Um, but there's also, like, all these independent studies that, like, oh, everyone has affinity fatigue and, they're, you know, there's too many uh, cards in their wallet and, um, like, it just... It just attracts the like bottom feeding value seeking customers, and and it isn't really. It's ironically not really creating loyalty. Um, So I'm curious. You guys have had a program for a long time. Does the fact that you are a brand that tends to have stronger engagement with your customers does that give you sort of permission to have a loyalty program that kind of acts as a Catalyst for that, and accelerates it is it like
0: I, I think so also what it comes down to is with moose jaw you know, we 're we're, we're, we're selling you know outdoor equipment and, and apparel, generally speaking, you know the, the average time between purchase isn 't you know weeks and days like in the grocery business yeah. right uh, it 's months or years potentially I mean, if you buy a tent, probably the last thing you need is another tent. Um so where the where it tends to work best is with our, our core customers, the, the the real outdoor users who want the sleeping bag and the backpack and the and the and the so for them it's critical, but I think for more of the flyby shoppers it just doesn't resonate. Sure. Right? If you're looking for, you know, a great price on a North Face jacket, okay great, but you're a flyby, right? Yeah. So uh, it was interesting. We just did a. We do, we do big. We do a sur- customer surveys at three times a year, um, and it's actually tied into a little promo. So ten bucks, take a survey, we'll get forty, fifty thousand responses to these surveys, uh, and we change the subject all the time. But most recently, we we really used it to help us drive where we want to spend our time prioritization. So the big question was, okay, of these nine things, force rank them for us, which is actually tough to ask people yeah, to do. Yeah. But they did it, and, you know, not to the lead here, but price was number one. Shocking, I know, yeah. right? But somewhat disappointingly for us, loyalty program was by far the lowest on the list. So it was behind fast and free shipping, behind site speed, product info, did it, I mean, you name it, returns policy. It was, it was the very bottom of the list. Um, which was disappointing because we felt that we had a rather differentiated offer there. Uh, and then we asked people, okay, if these are all of the top things and how they're ordered, how does Moose Joe stack up versus the competition? And really what we got was, and, you know, we, we, we were, it was generally good on a scale of, you know, one to five, we were kind of in the fours. Um, but But our loyalty program, which is industry-leading, was a 4.2. People just didn't really... So, you know, I think ultimately what people are saying is, hey, I don't want to jump through hoops. Give me the best possible deal and get it to me as quickly as possible. Not, you know, when you put on your your customer hat, it makes sense. Sure, sure.
1: Um, And in a way, like, often people talk about loyalty programs and what they actually mean is like a frequency program. um, Because I would argue like some other things, elements of your brand are as much or more important to that building of loyalty. Uh, very early on, you guys started giving customers these summit flags. Yeah. Um, and so to me, that's a, f- like, and this was this sort of hard-to-acquire, Moose Jaw-branded uh, item that, that customers coveted and frequently shared photos of on social media, again, like generally from the tops of mountains and pra- crazy places.
0: Or their weddings, in some yeah. cases.
1: yes. yeah. Um, no. Or their wedding on top of a mountain. Even better. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, and, and so what we've, uh, in a, thinking back on it, too, in terms of probably the, the most successful loyalty programs would be airline loyalty programs. Sure. Right? I mean, you know, as a frequent traveler, which I'm sure you are, yeah. as I am, right? I mean... It, it gets to like a maniacal stage in terms of like, you know, you're, you're but it, to me, you know, it's less about the points and way more about the perks, sure. right? And so it, we're, we're, we're we're trying to think more in that term in terms of, okay, what makes it special? So for example, now if you're, we call it in the high altitude program, if you're part of the high altitude program, you get a a custom t-shirt every year that's only for you. Uh, nobody else can have it, um, special special customer support, on and on and on, right? Those are the things that we really feel will set it apart and make it special.
1: Yeah, and obviously other Moose Jaw loyalists recognize that item and they know that you're also cool or have too much discretionary income. Yes, Yeah. exactly. Because um, you mentioned frequency of purchase in outdoor apparel can be a challenge. I grew up in Southern California, and I'm. I think the irony is I'm convinced that, like, 95% of all the Expedition wear that was, like, designed to survive the top of K2 is actually owned by Housewives in Southern California. And I think they buy a new jacket every year. Uh, That is quite possible, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so those things are all super interesting. Uh, You mentioned that you have a, um, is it 11 stores now?
0: 11 soon to be 12.
1: Oh, okay. What's, tell us about the 12th store. So, um, you know,
0: as retail changes, right, experience and the draw of that experience becomes more and more important for brick and mortar, right? You know, I think it's never become harder to get people's ass off the couch, right? Uh, so you have to give people a reason to come. And so the, our 12th store actually is in partnership with the climbing gym. So uh, this is a climbing gym in the, in the Kansas City area that we had partnered with a lot just in events and other things. Great bunch of guys. Uh, and, and so they said, hey, we're, we're building a new climbing gym, the best gym in the world. Please be part of it. So it's opening in Olathe, uh, Kansas next month. Um, and amazing climbing gym. There'll also be an amazing coffee shop that also serves alcohol and food and then a beautiful moose show store. Um, and so it is sort of that affinity Frequency model, right? Bringing those people back. Obviously, there'll be a membership program between us and the uh, us and the gym. Um, but really, it's it's getting those enthusiasts into a place where where they want to come on a regular basis. Because you know, I think one of the the thi- you know we 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 went through a, a time of opening stores in 2012 uh, where the thought process was more well, let's you know let's go after where the traffic is, right? Sure. So, so we'll, we'll pay for premium retail. We'll go after, the, you know, so higher rents but higher reward. And really, at the, at the end of the day, it didn't work um, because uh, there was a lot of traffic but just not qualified traffic. You know, there's, there's only a certain number of people that want to spend $400 for a shell or $300 for a two-man tent. Okay, uh, And you know those people that are walking by a store in a high-traffic mall, not so much. So it's really more about destination and bringing people in and bringing those enthusiasts into the space.
1: Yeah. Uh, I do feel like one downside of opening with the climbing gym is uh, your stores all have this highly regarded pull-up contest. Yes. And so you can be the king of the hill and be the record holder for pull-ups. And I'm going to assume that the climbing gym store is going to be a high record
0: i think that's fair that's fair it's gonna be even
1: harder for me to finally get i've been i set a goal to get on that list you have yeah and i i started uh my goal was to be able to do two pull-ups and i'm i'm not halfway there yet (laughs) (laughs) so i have i have a little work Uh, okay well you know
0: well dream dream aim high
1: it, it it's important to have a dream uh but uh, when I go to the store, some, like as far as I remember, you were one of the first retailers to have a mobile point of sale. Yes. And so uh, associates were out on the floor helping customers. And uh, I feel like you guys have always had this great 360-degree view of the customer. So you you buy ski boots online one season, and you come in the next season, and you want that same size. Like the person in the store knows what size I bought online last year. I feel like those things are starting to be... Uh, requirements in all retail, but you guys have really had them for a long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, really going back to as long as I've been with Moosejaw, Jaw, uh, so 2008, yeah. um, it, it, and, and really it's a, it's a core tenet of, of, of what we do at Moose Jaw is, the, is that you got to be customer driven. I know that's trite and people say it, but it's amazing how many times we actually don't follow it in retail, right? Yeah. Um, and so f- from us, it's like, you know, put on your customer hat. If you walk into a store, You expect it to be exactly the same as the experience online. If I bought it online, of course I have to be able to return it in the store, right? If I saw a price online, yeah, I expect to pay the same price in the store. It's not rocket science, right? It's what people expect. And so we really set up our IT infrastructure to support that from the very get-go. And then more omni-channel stuff. Uh, it, a big part of it is is um, endless aisle. So we've we've been doing endless aisle endlessly. I mean for years. Uh, it's twenty percent of some of our stores' volume is actually a product that they don't stock, but that, that we will ship to you for free in two days. And you know it's 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 you know it's obviously a more consultative sales process if you're buying a tent or a backpack. Uh, so you know our stores are four thousand square feet. We're not going to have all the tents, but we can show you the two man and then send you the format.
1: Sure. Um, So all fabulous stuff. Uh, I do want to, it's not all um, unicorns and rainbows. Uh, We on this show talk a lot about sort of distressed apparel retailers, right? And so obviously there's all these department stores that predominantly rely on apparel sales that are kind of sucking wind. Uh, there 's a bunch of retailers that are mall based apparel retailers, mostly that have an a at the beginning of their their name um, and and they all seem to be struggling and One of the hypotheses is that people just aren 't spending as much on their closet as they once did, so people are more into experiences uh they have fewer wardrobes at home, and you know uh, good clothes are like less expensive to acquire than they once did. In your category, I could imagine it's almost worse because, like, intrinsically, your customers do like experiences. Um, like, so it, is that a trend you guys see in outdoor? Like, are people spending less on apparel? Actually, no. I think, oh, okay. I think
0: we're we kind of buck the trend because of the fact that our apparel is built for experiences and for supporting those experiences. Most of the apparel that we sell is... It certainly isn't disposable apparel, right? It's actually product that is built to last. Um, almost every apparel brand that we sell uh, has a warranty program where they will fix that product for you rather than replace it. I just, I just got had my Arcteryx jacket fixed. Um, you know, I could obviously get Arcteryx jackets all the time, but I send it away, they fix my zipper, and we're back in business. With I feel
1: like they should have a dude that comes to your office and fixes it for you. You would think, yeah, but no, not so much. I'm
0: uh, afraid not. Uh, but, but actually, um, but Osprey. I mean, you name all these brands. Most of them have lifetime guarantees, and so it, the trend actually plays to us in that. Especially with with younger folks, they are looking to invest in apparel, right? Invest in product, uh, and we have investment grade stuff. Um, and it is about experiences and supporting those experiences as well.
1: Interesting. Um... Is there, like, do the products continue to, I mean, I know there's a lot of, like, it's a more technical category of apparel, too. Like, are there, does does the technical innovation help your buying cycle? Like, is there better, you know, water repellent uh, attributes this year than last year? And therefore, I need a new jacket, even though my old one is working perfectly?
0: Sure. I mean, tech is a huge driver within the outdoor space. More so, I would say, in the gear category than in apparel, but it's still a big deal. You know, there there are always people that want to have the latest and greatest. Um, North Face just came out with a new tech um, called Future Light that's all about a, a, a very flexible, rainproof uh, uh, outer material. So there's constant tech, and that's and that's driving the business and driving, you know, what people want to do so that they can have a higher higher performance experience uh, and a better experience outdoors.
1: Gotcha. Uh, I, I feel like a product innovation we need is a reminder feature in the apparel. So you mentioned how long the apparel lasts. Yes. Um, every time I visit my in-laws in Detroit, I forget to bring a hat. So I feel like I go to the, the Grosse Point uh, Moose Jaw on Kerchival every single time I visit my mother-in-law to buy a new hat. Well, uh, that
0: that's working for us. Why would he want to remind you to bring the
1: hash? Yeah. Um, see, I feel like because you're the funnest, most customer centric ah, retailer uh, okay. on the, uh, that, that is on fair. Earth.
0: Okay, you got me there. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. okay. Just just something to think about. Um, so, uh, I, I'm I'm always curious. You've been in the space a long time. Uh, you guys have been on the forefront of a lot of experiences. Uh, if we, if you and I, and this is a visual I know you've been craving, if you and I get in the hot tub time machine together. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, zip forward five or ten years, um, is the outdoor apparel uh, shopping experience likely to be the same as it is now? Is there just, will the coffee just have CBD in it and that's the the gist of it? Or like, how, how, how do you think, how would you like to see that, that shopping experience evolve?
0: So, you know, I, I think online, uh, obviously the, 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 big push is towards customer convenience, right? I mean, for us, so the short term, so if we just go forward, you know, a few months in the time machine, we're looking at, at taking Omni to the next level, just in terms of delivery timing, promise dates, all of those things, th- th- those, those expectations have just changed so dramatically even in the last 12 months that if you're not keeping up, you're going to get left behind, right? Customers, you know, in that priority ranking that we did, that was number two. Yeah. Fast and free, number two, right? So it's, it's the entree to the game. And if the customer can get it for the same price and get it a day sooner, they're going to get it, right? So that, that I think, is, is the big driver. Within the outdoor space, I think what's different is, you know, that cons, consumers are very focused on the environment and the environmental impact. And so certainly things like uh, I, there's going to be a bigger push and it's already starting into used, yeah. right, and refurbished and doing that not as a way to save money but as a way to save the environment. And so I think we're going to start to see more... Patagonia is doing it with Warrenware. North Face is getting into this as well. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot more with that. And there's still a role for retail in in those pieces. Um, but it's not, just a, um, it's not just a thrift store approach. Interesting. Right?
1: Yeah. I want to say I saw a Shark Tank episode where there were some guys that, like, their business model was, we send your ski kit to the resort for you to rent yes, uh, so not the skis and boots that you typically can rent, but all the expensive outerwear that you need for your three young kids that outgrow it like right away
0: and that could certainly be part of the model too. I, I think it really depends upon the just how specific and specialty an item is sure, you know I, certainly in the ski industry, obviously rental is a big part of the equation. Um, I don't think I would rent base layer, for yeah. example, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, a very a very specialty piece of equipment for for climbing a mountain potentially. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. That's another area where I might want to know that that carabiner is at full strength.
0: Yeah, so there's a reason why we don't accept returns on <laughs> climbing equipment. Yeah. Yeah, it's a safety issue.
1: Uh, that that seems fair. Uh, it, a fascinating thing to me, you mentioned the, like, speed of delivery. A fascinating thing to me is the ever-changing customer expectation. So, uh, as you'll probably remember, I remember Moose Jaw doing a really early pilot in like, same-day or next-day delivery. And at the time, I thought, oh, this is super cool. Nobody does this. Um, and I remember talking to the, uh, the then-CEO and him saying, like, yeah, it, like, it, it really didn't get big adoption. Like, customers really didn't leverage it. And the fascinating thing was when we started offering next-day delivery, uh, customers opted into our two-day delivery much more often than they used to. So it was like the that it kind of created anchoring. It made the 2-day delivery seem like a better deal when you had this more expensive one-day delivery, but customers at that time didn't necessarily crave one day whereas today when I can get my paper towels delivered in in uh one day or one hour. Yeah, um it uh or a cup of coffee in Shanghai in <laughs> in 15 minutes, it changes expectations it, for everything.
0: It it absolutely does. Um, you know, I think the flip side, though, is interesting. So, for example, Timberland is just coming out where they're offering to, to plant a tree uh, if you accept slower delivery. Um, and so and it might be specific to the outdoor industry and yeah. the fact that we're so eco-friendly. But I think there is an element to that, which is to say, okay, yes, we want it fast, but is it really free when it's free? right and what is the what is the bigger environmental impact and maybe we maybe maybe there maybe there's a bit of a trade off maybe it isn't hey i want it every you know i want to order the paper towels and then this and then that maybe there is some batching involved maybe there's a way for us to to attack it in a slightly more eco-friendly way
1: yeah that's actually interesting because you you know obviously there there's a number of retailers that have tried some like small financial incentive right. to to opt for more economical shipping. And often that, that financial incentive isn't persuasive enough. Right, a dollar. Who, who cares? Yeah, right. or, or a free video download or something sure. um, that, that maybe you feel like you won't use. And so it's not persuasive enough to change behavior. But the social consciousness offer could could potentially outpunch its weight in in terms of persuading people to opt-in when they really don't need that. Exactly. That super fast delivery. So that's pretty clever. Um, Well, Owen, I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you, uh, but it has happened again. We've used up all our allotted time. Oh. Uh, So in the event that... uh, Listeners had a burning question that we didn't get to or have a comment about uh, something we talked about on the show. Uh, you're welcome to jump on to our, um, our Facebook page or our Twitter feed, uh, and we can continue the dialogue there. As always, if this was the show that finally put you over the edge, we sure would appreciate it if you jump on iTunes and give us that five-star review. Uh, if you didn't enjoy today's show, we, we'd appreciate it if you just called Owen directly on his home, home line.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, but uh, really appreciate you taking time out of e to speak with us. Uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Uh, until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.